know, it's been a wonderful uh, summer series, and uh, I've been able to catch a few of the services, and, and it's uh, been good to invite back uh, some friends to have some newcomers this summer, and that's been a real blessing, and tonight is one of those special friends we've had before, and in the plan of God, his health remains, although his wife has told him he's got to stop and slow down. He's turned 90, and... Um, so before he preaches, I think we're going to sing happy birthday, so we'll do that in a second. That was not your cue, but that's okay. Uh, I didn't know you were going to do that. That's pretty impressive. Uh, Dr. Peterson um, has a ministry that has spanned uh, about 55 years, probably a little more than that. As a young man preparing for divinity school, he was called out by the draft to um, join the army. They th- told him they thought he had joined Divinity School to get out of the draft. And so he ended up serving in the Army and uh, was on the front lines for about three months in World War II. In the, uh, what, what, who were you with again, doctor? Come here, stand, stand closer. St. Paul Bible College. Okay, now when you fought, what, who were you with? I was with the 70th Infantry Division. Seven, all right. Uh, Infantry Division successfully captured a couple of towns and uh, was not a prisoner of war, came back, went back to Divinity School because he really was serious about going into the ministry and uh, then began a ministry that spanned uh, 50-some years teaching in seminary for about 35 years, pastoring about 25. Our paths crossed. Marcia and I had been married Oh, about a year. We ended up in Detroit Baptist Seminary, and some of our earlier memories of that school was going with Dr. Peterson, and I'd play the piano, and Marcia and I would sing, and he'd <laughs> preach, and uh, we, we did that because we were free, and uh, plus we got to go with you yeah. when you went and preached, and we can still remember driving through a snowstorm in, in Michigan. So we go back a ways, and uh, we praise God for the role that he's had in our lives. I can remember as a student, often going into his office. He had a heart for ministry. He not only taught us homiletics and church history, but he would consistently urge us to have a heart and the heart of a shepherd that cared about people and that followed after Christ and that wanted to see people grow in Christ. And, and that impacted all of us, certainly my own life. And so it's been a while since we've had him back. This may be our last, this side of heaven, to hear him preach because his wife said it's time to slow down. So I don't know if he'll obey her or not. But why don't you join me in singing Happy Birthday, Dr. Peterson. I don't know what the lyrics say, but let's say that. Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Dr. Peterson. Peterson or a pulpit. I'm going to start now. <laughs> Thank you very much. Our text is found tonight in the 40th chapter of the book of Isaiah. It is true that I was born 90 years ago on July 1st, 1922, of immigrant parents who came from Denmark. 108 years ago, 
1904 and came and settled in southwestern Iowa along the banks of the Nishnabotna River and in the hill country. My mother had eight children, and three of us were boys, and she prayed that one of them would go into the Christian ministry and preach the gospel of Christ. At 90 years of age, I have two requests of the Lord. Number one, that I may live long enough to take care of my wife, Marjorie, who was 88 years of age. And the second request is that I could live my last Sunday on earth in the pulpit. It is a great privilege for me to speak this time and other times here at the Colonial Baptist Church in Cary, North Carolina. Your leaders, elders, and others are to be commended for building such an edifice and a church which is a model for all churches in this land to follow. My appreciation of Stephen Davy and his wife, Marcia, is boundless. They first appeared in the halls of the Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary 30 years ago. The only explanation of the superb ministry for Christ, God's Son of Colonial Baptist Church, is known only to God. And we thank Him for His intense care and direction given here. Our text is found in the 40th chapter of the book of Isaiah, verses 30 and 31. I would like to speak to you on the subject, How to Stay Young. And it is in keeping with the theme of the summer that you have had here in these series, Seeing the Hand of God in How to Stay Young. I am reading from the 30th verse. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. The writer of the book of Isaiah brings us face to face with a certainty. There is no denying this. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Sometimes youth faint in their youth. Sometimes youth faint because they cease to be young. However strong you are tonight, however powerful, however muscular, you may be able to go to a uh, weight room and lift several hundred pounds, but the day will come when you will lose it all. However beautiful you are tonight, however lovely and comely you are as a lady, the thieving years will steal away your beauty. The Miss America of today will never be the Miss America of tomorrow. There are those who look upon old age as a calamity. How tragic it is to grow old. Gray hair, gnarled hands, wrinkled skin, bumps and warts and moles and calluses on the body. How horrible. And even poets add to this depressing conviction. Gather ye rosebuds while you may. Old time is still a-flying, and this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow, will be dying. 
How horrible it is to grow old if you listen to these. But Isaiah tells us that the only old age to be dreaded is that of the heart. The failing of our bodily powers is no calamity, providing the soul keeps young. And if you have grown old in heart, you are old, whether you are 17 or 70 years of age. But if you have June in your soul, you are young, regardless of the number of birthdays that have come to your door. A familiar story is told of John Quincy Adams, who was the sixth president of the United States. He lived up in Beantown in Boston, Massachusetts. And he would take his walk in the morning, and one morning he was greeted by a friend who said, Good morning, Mr. Adams. How are you today? And his response was, Mr. Adams is quite well. But the house that he lives in is a bit dilapidated. The walls are tottering at the foundation, and the roof is in need of repair. And one of these days, he's going to have to move out of this house into a house not made with hands. Other than that, Mr. Adams is quite well, thank you. Well, old age was as nothing in the presence of a dauntless soul like that. Some time ago, a radio pastor used this very illustration of John Quincy Adams on his radio program. And the following week, he received a letter from a lady who wrote, The house that I live in is 82 years of age. Of course, it is not as beautiful as it was 50 years ago. And perhaps one of the reasons is that I have not painted it as is the custom of some today. But I've given a great deal of attention to interior decoration, and I have a reliable and wonderful tenant who lives on the top floor. What could the passing years do to a gallant soul like that? Absolutely nothing at all. In this message tonight, I would like to ask two questions and then answer them briefly. The first question is, what are the marks of old age? What are the features that lead to oldness? And secondly, how can I stay young while growing old? That's a question that a lot of you would like answered. How can I stay young? How can I retain my youthfulness as I pass through the years? The first question is, what are some of the marks of old age? The first mark of old age is staggering under trifles. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 5, we read, And they are speaking of older people and their fears. They are afraid of height and of terrors in the way. When the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper is a burden, and desire fails. For man goes to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. The text declares that a grasshopper can become a burden to an older person. The grasshopper lands upon the face of the hand, and it's difficult to lift that hand. Although there are some commentators who say that the passage is speaking about those who make a burden out of a grasshopper. The habit of magnifying life's duties belong to no particular age. There are those in their 20s who are cringing under their responsibilities. Others of us in their 30s and 40s are whining under their burdens. While others of us who are 60, 70, 80, 90 years of age are moving forward without one single word of complaint. If you are making mountains out of molehills, that means that you are old, whatever your exact age may be. 
64 years ago, my wife and I were married, and she said to me one day, you know, Eugene, and I knew this, it's not proper etiquette to ask a woman her weight or her age. And I, I knew that, but I thought it might be a good idea to ask some women their age because they might be younger than we think they are. If you're making mounds out of a molehill, you are old. And it says here that desire shall fail. Remember when you were young, you had so many dreams, you wanted to accomplish so many things, this and that, but the years came by and desire fails. First mark of old age is staggering under trifles. A grasshopper becomes a burden. Desire fails. The second mark of old age is timidity. He shall be afraid of that which is high, it says. Heights that once would have been an invitation for him to climb, lofty peaks that once would have been a thrill, now fill him with sickening fear. Remember Caleb? Remarkable Caleb was void of timidity. He had springtime in his heart, but he had wintertime in his body. When he was 45 years of age, he volunteered to go into the promised land and spy out the land and bring back a report. He volunteered for the most difficult task of his life. It shows that he was still young. If you've lost your daring, if you've lost your adventuresomeness, if you've lost your courage, if you've lost your crusading spirit, if your supreme ambition is to sit down in your living room at night and watch television night after night, you are old. First mark of old age is staggering under trifles. Second mark of old age is timidity, afraid to venture forward, afraid to go ahead, afraid to take things in hand. The third mark of old age is glorifying the past at the expense of the present and the future. If all the good old days for you have dropped into the sunset, you are old, whatever the calendar may say. They're those who speak of the good old days, the good old times, the good old years. There might be someone who would say the good old days of Franklin Delano Roosevelt when they had the New Deal. There was work in those days, the CCC, the WPA, the NRA. And they speak about the good old preachers and the good old evangelists and the good old Sunday school teachers and the good old missionaries, the good old times and the good old meetings that we had. Someone has said that we've been looking back to 50 years ago, ever since Adam's 51st birthday. Backward, turn backward, O oh time in your flight, they pine. It reminds me of the poem about the lightning bug. Have you heard it? <laughs> the lightning bug is brilliant, but he has not any mind. He blunders through existence with his headlight on behind. If your face is turned towards the past, you are old, whatever the calendar may say. So here are just a few qualities of old age, timidity, staggering under trifles, glorifying the past at the expense of the present and future. The second question that I'd like to ask is this. How can I stay young while growing old? And this answer is given to us in the Scriptures. 
Let us face the fact that there's no way, no way that we can stop the aging of these bodies of ours. By proper care, we ought to look as young as possible. When we go to church, when we go to Sunday school, we should dress that way. But no amount of facelifting, no resorting to skin surgery or beauty experts will keep you from getting old. Or will you avoid old age by hiding the family Bible? Sometimes the record is carried in the Bible and you don't want people to read it. And you, you can't avoid old age by hiding the family record in the family so that they cannot find it. Nor can you avoid old age by sticking your head in the sand and refusing to divulge your age. I know some people who wouldn't tell their age for anything. I've worked with some of them. I don't know whether they were 15, 50, 100, or 150. There's no way of avoiding the aging of the body, but there is a way that is avoiding, that we can avoid the age that is deadly and hurtful. And how can that be? Admit your age freely and gladly. If you're 25, be willing to be 25. If you're 37, be willing to be 37. If you're 62, act like it. Psychologists say this. And by the way, if you want to stay young, associate with young people. If you want to grow old, try to keep up with young people. There are some who present the pitiful spectacle of trying to be young and kiddish when they're old enough to have more sense. There's nothing that ages the body more than the constant and feverish activity of trying to stay young. Relax, therefore, and accept your age gratefully, and you may grow old in such a way to be a burden to those around about you. And they'll say, oh, it's, it's really tragic to have this person around. You may grow old in such a way to be a blessing to those who are in the family. We thank God for his presence. What a wonderful presence. He is with us in this home. Let me grow lovely growing old. So many fine things do. Laces and ivory and silks and gold need not be new. Why may not I as well as these? Grow lovely, growing old. How may I stay young while growing old? Accept your age freely and gladly. And if you would avoid old age, keep interested in life and particularly in the things of God. I read a verse, a chapter recently that just stirred me. Isn't it amazing how you can read the scriptures? And there's something that's new there, something that's invigorating. You've never seen it before. And how wonderful it is to read it. And such was the 20th chapter of the book of Acts. It tells about the Apostle Paul and his work at the church of Ephesus. How instinctingly and unwaveringly he did his work in that city, in that place. It says that he went from house to house. It says that he went day after day and night after night and told the people about Christ with tears. Here's what it says in verse 31. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone day and night with tears. And verse 20, I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. Paul was interested in the Lord's work 24-7. 
He regarded time as sacred. Every day of the year to him was precious. Some years ago, I suppose about 40 years ago, my family and I were driving up in Montana, and it was a time of the rise of the hippie movement and the flower children. And there were many young people that were hitchhiking, crisscrossing the roads in Montana that particular summer. And there was young, one young fellow who had taken off his shoes, and he laid down along the highway, Interstate 80, Interstate 94, whatever it was, and thumbed with his toes. There are those young people who are fed up with life and who have lost interest in life, and they face life not with enthusiasm, but with great big yawns. Some youth are so restless that they have no time to find God in eternity. They're busy with nothing to do. They're argumentative with no principles to fight for, and they're accusative, never having judged themselves. We must follow the saints of the Bible. Oh, what wonderful models they are. Those Old Testament saints. Joshua, Moses, Aaron, Samuel. And what about that youthful Joseph who down there in Potiphar's household cried out, How can I do this wickedness and sin against God? And what about Paul? who burned himself out on the altar of sacrifice, and Titus, who gave himself on that lonely Mediterranean isle of Crete. Let us keep interested in the things of God and help the restless to find rest in God. Whether we die on our feet or die in our beds, let us die with enthusiasm. Oxcar Willie was a writer of Western music. He wrote a song entitled Life's Railway to Heaven. He died a few years ago from cancer. But that, the lyrics of that song sort of depict the steps that we are to take in the Christian life. And the lyrics are these. Life is like a mountain railroad with an engineer that's brave. We must make the run successful from the cradle to the grave. Watch the curves, the fells, the tunnels. Never falter, never quail. Keep your hand upon the throttle and your eye upon the rail. You will roll up grades of trial. You will cross the bridge of strife. See that Christ is your conductor on the lightning train of life. Always mindful of obstruction. Do your duty, never fail. Keep your hand upon the throttle and your eye upon the rail. How can I stay young while growing old? Keep interested in the things of God. Keep interested in the things of this life. And that leads me to ask you, what do you do in your Sunday school? What do you do in the many activities that are offered in this, in this church, the many, many programs that you see in your bulletins every Sunday? If the elders ask you, will you do this, will you do that, will you say, oh, count on me. I'll do it. I'll be there. Enlist me. If you want to stay young, young people, old people, <laughs> you want to stay young, keep interested in the things of God. And finally, if we are to keep our youth, we must learn to wait upon God. That's in our text, isn't it? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, shall mount up with wings as eagles, shall run and not be weary, shall walk and not faint. In the book of Lamentations in chapter 3, it says in verse 25, The Lord is good to them that wait 
to the soul who seeks him. They that wait upon the Lord is the Hebrew word kava. And it means to wait with patience and with hope and with expectation. It's to throw the windows of the soul open to God. There's no room for frustration in the Christian life. Oh, how frustrated we become when we get the kids to go to Sunday school and church and all these activities that we engage in. There's no room for frustration. Pastors get frustrated too. There was a pastor who preached one Sunday morning on Jonah. And he became so frustrated in the first part of his message, he told about how Jonah had defied God and how he rebelled against him and refused to go to Nineveh and cry against the wickedness of that city. He disobeyed God. He would not subserve God. And then he told about how he had a change of heart, a metanoia. He turned about face and went to Nineveh and cried against and obeyed God. And then he thought that he would be dramatic. And he cried out, and there was Jonah in a welly of a bale. And he knew he had said something wrong. <laughs> so he started all over again, which might be the worst thing that you can do when you're a public speaker. And this time he cried with exclamation, and there was Jonah in a whale of a belly. <laughs> There's no room for frustration among us Christian people. That's why the scripture says, study to be quiet. There is the art of sitting still. Be still and know that I'm God. You know, the celebrated lost art of the Christian community is meditation, musing, reflection. The old timers used to do that. We, we seem to have lost it in our day. We must study to be quiet. Study it as you would algebra, Hebrew, Latin, or some subject that's difficult for you. Study it as you would good manners and good habits. This is a part of the Christian discipline. Study to be quiet. The preacher in Ecclesiastes writes to everything. There is a season, a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to speak, and a time to be silent. Martin Luther, who nailed the 95 Thesis to the church door of Wittenberg, Germany, on All Saints Eve in 1517, turned the world upside down with Reformation in 16th century Germany. He said, I'm going to be busy today, therefore I have to spend time with God in prayer. The busier the life, the more the need to spend alone with God. Every church ought to cultivate the talent of silence. The voice of God is not always heard in the excitement of the pastor's voice, in the wind of the organ bellows, or in the choir numbers that are sung. But more often than not, he is heard, as Elijah heard him, in the still, small voice. A.J. Gordon went to Metropolitan Tabernacle to hear the great Charles Haddon Spurgeon A.J. Gordon said that people came out of the church with the muffled drums of exhortation and warning beating upon their consciences. They learned to wait upon God in the Metropolitan Tabernacle. The passing years bring reverses and bitter disappointments. The passing years destroy our youthful enthusiasm and leave us stranded and old. If you want to stay young, the surest way, they that wait 
upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Mount up with wings as eagles. Run and not be weary. Walk and not tarry. One day Moses went out to see his people. He did not like the way the oppressive Egyptians were treating the Israelites. He was in the plains of Midian. And he saw this Egyptian that did something objectionable and something abhorrent. And he took and slew him and buried his body in the sand and fled for his life. The daring hopes of his youth seemed to become shadow and vague. And then one day, one day, something happened. There was a miracle in the desert. A fire was burning. Behold, the bush burned with fire and was not consumed. It burned and burned and burned the red-hot ashes. And Moses saw in that bush the staying power of Almighty God. And into his own life came the staying power of God. And as you know, he lived to be 120 years of age. He was 80 at this time. He lived to be 120. His strength had not abated and his eye had not grown dim. Why did he do it? How did he do it? Because he endured seeing him who is invisible. He walked with him and he talked with him and he honored him and he extolled him and he exalted him. He loved him. And that's how you stay young. You endure seeing him who is invisible. When you drive your car tomorrow, work at the shop, the factory, the assembly line, and do the chores in the kitchen, whatever it is you're doing, recognize God, walk with God, talk with him, speak with him, honor him, love him, extol him, exalt him. You will endure seeing him who is invisible. That's the same truth that's found in this text, isn't it, friends? Verse 31, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. You know, the best part of a sermon is the text. Don't ever forget the text. Can we say it together? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. O oh God, tonight, as always, we look to Thee. We have no one else to appeal to. Whom have we in heaven but Thee? There is none upon earth. We desire beside Thee. We pray that we shall never forget this wonderful text. And we pray that these people shall live to be youthful as they go down through the years. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Peterson, for that. Amen.